got to go quickly. It's a draw. It's a draw. And then she gets it back. Oh, oh you're wow. kidding me. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. It's Sherelle McMahon with you alongside, well, actually not alongside Bianca Chatfield, because B, you are running into the very final stages of your quarantine up in Brisbane. You must be very, very excited. Oh, Sherelle, I'm so excited. I've got under 24 <laughs> hours to go and I've organised with the Channel 9 crew that they are picking me up at 12.01am um, in the morning and I am running out the door. I cannot wait. And I can see I the sunshine out my window and I haven't oh, been able to enjoy it'll be it for so nice. It'll be so nice. And I, I just love that you've gone, right, I'm allowed to get out tomorrow. So I am doing that one minute into tomorrow. I am not waiting till the sun comes up. I did get I'm a tip off here. from and a few people you? that that's what you should do. Right. So I thought, yeah. okay, I can stay up. I'll be right. Yeah, do it, do it. Hey, um, B, let's get into uh, our chatting because we've got a what there's quite a lot been happening over the last week since we last spoke. And first of all, I did want to say what a great response we had to last week's podcast. Um, for those of you who didn't listen in, uh, we spoke with yeah, indig- ex-Indigenous players Sharon Finn and White and Josie Jance Dawson, and we had a really fantastic chat with them some great responses across social media and the number of people listening um and we did mention it um that the indigenous round and what happened with Gemma and my could be a significant moment in time for netball and perhaps it would appear that it, it may have been because there's been some significant decisions and things happening in that last week on the back of that Thank you to everyone for sending your feedback to us as well because I think yes, when we you. recorded that podcast we wanted to do something significant. We wanted to show our vulnerabilities and, you know, it is sometimes really hard to know how to have these conversations. So I'm so glad that we had a lot of people listen, but also a lot of people learn. Um, even Ash Brazel was saying, you know, she's been a teammate of Josie Jance Dawson's for so many years over with Fever. And even she said to me, she goes, I learned so much about her just listening to that mm. podcast. So thank you for your feedback. Um, and you're right, Cheryl, yeah. I think this week for netball has been a massive, um, I guess, movement or start of a movement. Um, I mm. think it's really great to see that Netball Australia, Super Netball have stood together and gone, this is what we're going to do moving forward. And it's not just about putting in changes. It starts with understanding first. And that's what I think Sharon Finn-White said last week. We have to understand. We have to take that time to understand. Yeah. And I think that that's a really significant thing. There's, you know, about 20 peak organisations that are signatories to this declaration of commitment that has been put out by um, Netball Australia and those other organisations, as you said, to, to understand certainly and to help break down those barriers and, um, resolve the issues that sit around the underrepresentation of our Indigenous and Torres Strait Islanders at the elite level. And that's not just in uh, the playing group, you know, it's across all the, the pathways as they come up in administration, in umpiring, in coaching, in all those areas, we can be doing better. So, uh, I mean, it's it's a systematic change that has to happen and it's a systematic change um, that at least in principle, has been agreed upon. And I really do hope that that is a movement that's not just, you know, this moment in time is something we feel like we have to stand up in, that it, that it does kind of echo across the rest of time in our sport. Absolutely. And I even had a grassroots coach 
uh, reach out to me and say, I hope that this is an education piece for all of us coaches out there to know how we can learn, what questions we can ask, mm. how we can be more inclusive. So people are ready, people are wanting to yep. learn, and hopefully this is exactly the start of it, of at least providing enough resources out there for people to be able to grab hold of it and then open our sport up to be as inclusive as it possibly can be. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been been lots of changes there. And on court B, there's was a lot happening. We obviously, last time we spoke, we were like, oh, there could be so much shifting in the positions and it <laughs> potentially come down to the last game with Lightning and the Vixens as to who finishes where. But no, that was all kind of settled <laughs> quite early on. Uh, in the weekend, which was which is interesting, so we do finish I up with think a Cheryl, Fever and Swiss. They did not want to finish second. By the way, <laughs> they both played. I was thinking, do they actually even want this second spot? I think those two are really planning out of playing each other in that minor semi. Oh, B, really? Okay, that's a massive call. I seriously <laughs> doubt that. I seriously doubt that. But they came up against some really strong opposition and we spoke about this last week too, that, you know, often it's those teams that aren't in finals contention. They still want to be able to um, have an impact on what happens to that top four group and that's certainly what happened on the weekend. So some huge games there, of course, the Vixens and the Lightning taking each other on again. It was only four goals in that in the end. Uh, so, um, you know, from a Vixen's perspective, hopefully, um, you know, we, we put another great performance out and I'm sure both teams there, it was almost like, it wasn't boxing, but it was an interesting end. The commentators even said it that, you know, it felt like the sting had gone out of the end of the game in some ways that were, it, they were kind of just sounding each other out a little bit. So who knows, the, the uh, intensity in that game might be lifted when they come up against each other on Saturday. And an important player that we know only played a half, uh, Lizzie Watson. Will she be taking the court for four quarters? Because I think that played a big role in what was happening in the first half compared to the second half. So, Sherelle, what's yeah, the goss? <laughs> well, the goss is that she's pulled up really well. That's the goss. She's pulled up really well. <laughs> and um, my understanding is that she's ready to go. So, um, you know, of course, as always, um, depending on how that how that works across the um, across the game, I, I know that uh, she went into that game and there was probably the plan that she would just play that half, and that's how it played out. So I don't think that there's those restrictions necessarily this week. Um, but we, I, I know they're training this afternoon, so they've got some other things to kind of work through as well to see how she comes up. And then, of course, Fever and Swifts, as you said, neither neither could secure that win in the final round. Um, how do you see those coming up against each other? Because last time they played each other, Janelle Fowler scored the uh, world record in individual goals. Um, so they'll, I guess the Swiss will have to be looking at ways to uh, limit her impact. Absolutely. And one thing that, I mean, obviously I've been going through all the stats, I've been watching lots of video while I've been in here. And one thing that fascinates me is the amount of, rolling subs that Swifts use compared to any other team in the top four. Um, and I think when you're taking on a Janelle Fowler, there is a, the persistence that needs to kind of take place in that first half to really be able to get on top of her. The super shot makes that hard because defensively you've got to change it up a little bit. But I think I, I really want to know whether the Bryony Akles changes are going to be 
an absolute game changer in the final series or whether it's going to cost them because the girls haven't mm. had enough time out there together in their little set unit combinations. Um, so to me, I think that's going to be the thing that I'm going to be keeping an eye on the most. Um, but Fowler was in amazing form and we know she can do it quite easily. So that's going to be quite scary for the Swiss to come up against. Yeah, and I totally agree with the Swiss in the way they have approached those uh, changes and the rolling subs across the season. It would appear that they they have made those more changes and plays on and off. So we will see because not everyone has taken that same approach as to as to which works best for the teams across this final series. Um, B, there's also been um, the retirements keep coming. Um, it's quite emotional for me because a lot of these, uh, are, you know, I'm getting to the end of the. Uh, people that I used to play with so it's quite quite stressful for me to think god there's going to be no one left soon uh so it is two of my vixens goalers Tegan Phillip and Caitlin Thwaites this week and you know it's um the response has been incredible for both of those athletes and you know Caitlin has played in uh, across many different uh teams been over to New Zealand up to Sydney and you know it's it's kind of, it's always nice I think to um hear what people think of them really as people and as athletes and it's been a great response for them it certainly has Cheryl were you shocked did you have an inkling were you thinking that it was going to happen like what we you know (laughs) I I well I I knew before the announcement happened but um uh was I shocked Uh, in some ways yes because I think both of them could continue playing. I think they've got the form. and um, But, you know, we all know that it's not just about what happens out on court. When you're playing at this level, there's so much that goes on to, into it in terms of how your body is feeling, the, you know, the sacrifices that you're making and the time that you're spending doing that. So, look, I think, um, you know, they, they were getting towards the end of their career. God, did I think that they could give us a couple more probably um, but I'm also you know I'm wrapped for them that they've made this decision and and you know now the next phase of their life will happen after a couple of weeks they've still got to still got to be still in the mind a couple of weeks they do and what's <laughs> right. for me I think one of the stats for Caitlin Thwaites the fact that she's played for 18 seasons it's amazing. I played for 17 and I just couldn't believe that she's played for 18. That is a huge toll the game probably has taken on her body. Um, she started as a 15-year-old, which is so young. So oh, I just think it's such amazing. a credit to her that she's playing so well. She's dominating. She's in career best form. We're seeing Caitlin play with so much freedom at the moment. And it probably is because she knew this decision was made. She was just enjoying her netball. And, oh, it's just so great to see. And I hope it continues in the finals. Oh, yeah. And, hey, Katie, in your 18th year, how about you start learning a goal attack position? Good on you. Good luck with that. And she, <laughs> how's that for throwing a curveball at someone after so many years? And she has taken that challenge on and absolutely run with it. Um, there's some other movements to be. Um, the Magpies netball have not extended the contract of Rob Wright after two years. Um, this has been an interesting one for me. Um, I mean, we know that they went to a final series last year. So they, you know, there was some success there last year. And here are the names that have come out of that team since then. Ash Brazel, April Branley, Kim Revalian, Natalie Medhurst, and in the end through this season, Kelsey and Maddie Brown. Now, if you're taking that amount of experience and that amount of um, quality netballer out of any team, there's going to be some challenges there. And and I think that they've unearthed some really great young talent across um, the team. Um, 
I don't know. I've been disappointed in some ways about the response that's come through on on the socials, as they say, um, about this this move. Because I don't know. I, I just feel like Rob has really you know, given a lot to that club. So um, I'm not saying it's the wrong decision because obviously a lot goes into that. But I, I, I just feel like there should have been a bit more thanks to him for what he's done across these two seasons for the club. Couldn't agree with you more, Sherelle. Um, when I look into it and when I think about what Collingwood are doing, and I'm just making this up. I've got no intel at all. But what I think is happening is... We know when Collingwood set up that netball team, they got in all the guns and it was about a winning a premiership straight away. That didn't work. So Christy Kevich-Birrell, she was gone. Then uh, gradually more players have been bought in, more gun players have been bought in. Rob Wright steps in as coach. Back when I was with the Players Association and we were setting up Super Netball, Collingwood has a five-year licence. So does Sunshine Coast Mm. Lightning. So does all the teams. But they have a five-year licence, which means they've got one year to go. So I don't know if this decision has been right. We've got one year to go. We need to win a premiership to try and prove to the board that we need to keep this licence mm. ongoing. And, you know, again, I have not spoken to anyone about this. I'm just honestly thinking that is the only way I can make sense of the decision that's been made when there's been so many gun players removed from that side. I just think it's Collingwood testing out the system and going, right, we've got one more year. What can we do? Is it going to be worth having a licence in netball? Considering the year that's been, they've lost so much money. They've had to lay off so many staff, as has every other club and football club and netball club and everything. But can they afford to keep going with a netball team if it's not successful? And that has been one of the questions for me with this experiment in ways of uh, this netball team sitting really under the umbrella of a football team. And, I mean, we know at grassroots level how well those uh, two um, sports do meld together. Um, But it will be interesting, particularly given the fact that AFLW has been introduced and the Magpies have that female presence um, there within the club with the football side of things. So that is actually a very, very good point that you make, B. We're coming up to that end of the five years um, yeah, is it is it going to be something that they continue with, given the, the circumstances on many fronts? Are the coaches that are around who would want that team to go one year? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, a standout for me already, you would think, Nicole Richardson, who is their assistant coach, who I think is a really good coach, a very good defensive coach. I think she yes. could step into the role. Um, we know Jane Woodlands Thompson is there. She's in there in the high performance role, but would she want to consider coaching again? Cheryl McMahon, yeah, would you that's... consider coaching the team? <laughs> uh, good question, Bianca. Uh, no is the answer to that. Um, <laughs> but you've got people like Lisa Alexander. I know that she's just um, recently said that she wants to coach an AFL team, uh, but maybe, maybe she's got some in. interest. Maybe, maybe that's her way in. So, I mean, I would think that, I mean, it seems like she's still wanting to to look at getting into that coaching space because it's something she's incredibly passionate about. So maybe her, maybe uh, uh, Vicky Wilson, who was someone who uh, went for the Diamonds role that um, was unsuccessful in that process. So I think that there's some, you know, really big personalities too. And, and I kind of feel like, 
um, that that might be uh, a good mix um, for that Collingwood Magpie, the Magpie's netball role. So sorry, so you know someone with a big personality that can handle everything that goes along with that. So we will watch and wait to see what happens with that. Um, we do need to get on to our guest Bianca, who is Chelsea Pittman. Um, she has had some, you know, she's moving on from the Adelaide Thunderbirds this year after her contract wasn't renewed. But the other one, just before we do get into that, the other one that I'm going to be really um, looking on with a lot of interest is Caitlin Bassett, our Australian Diamonds captain. Um, Obviously had an interesting year with the Diamonds. Not a lot of court time, particularly as that season has gone on. There's uh, rumblings about whether she'll move across um, to the New Zealand system to play over there or whether there's a role with for, for her in another team. What's your gut feeling on what will happen with Caitlin and, and what should happen? Well, I actually think... Katie needs to do what is the best thing for her. So without everybody else's commentary and everyone thinking what should and shouldn't happen, I think if she's in a position where she wants to escape and go and enjoy playing netball in a different environment, I think she should go to New Zealand. I think she should go over there and just learn to play the game and enjoy it and love it. It seems that she hasn't been able to do that at all this year. So I don't think it's too bad. Look at Laura Langman. She's come over here. Why can't Caitlin Bassett go over there? Now, I don't like the idea of the Kiwis getting to play on her all the time. You certainly learn more (laughs) about her when you get that opportunity. But I think Caitlin Bassett needs to do what is the right thing for her right now. And if that's to go to New Zealand, then I think we all need to go, okay, off you go, go and enjoy your netball. And if you still are the best goal shooter that we have here in Australia, of course you're going to be in the Diamonds. Yeah, and, and the Laura Langman point is a good one. I read an article from uh, a journalist over in New Zealand saying, you know, why would we allow the Australian Diamonds captain to come over here? Well, the reverse <laughs> has happened. Um, and, you know, we, we've got, as we, we've spoken about, the you know, many uh, imports within our system as well. So I, I'm, I agree with you, but I also think that, um, you know, there's been a little bit about this. The two-point shot hasn't suited her game, and that's one of the reasons why she's had this limited court time. But you can look across the other teams um, and, you know, Danielle Fowler, um, Sammy Wallace, you know, they're those holding shooters. So you can certainly have success with an athlete like Caitlin um, in your system as well or in your team as well. So, you know, also, I, I just think there's a I lot to work I we've given her enough of a go to have no, a go at the super shot. Like, she hasn't really mm. had enough court time to see if she can even attempt it. I don't even think she was barely attempting it when she was on anyway. Like, she could yeah, shoot and, it. And, yeah, she could. She absolutely could. And the the reality is, I mean, I don't think you need two goalers who are shooting the two-point shot either. I think some of the teams have proved that, you know, perhaps if you've got one there that can nail that, then that's enough. And... Um, yeah, and the Giants did have some success when she was out on court too. So that's the other point um, to make. So we will we will watch with interest to see what Seabass does next. Um, and we give her at the Inner Circle here our full support um, because I'm sure it's been a challenging year for her on many fronts. So um, go get them, Katie, whatever happens. B, is there anything else you want to touch on or should we jump into our guest? <laughs> no, let's go. Let's get to Chels. <laughs> okay, Chelsea Pittman up with us after this.
Welcome back to the Inner Circle podcast. As we mentioned before the break, we're really excited to have this next guest on with us. She's a world champion with the Australian Diamonds. She's a Commonwealth Games gold medalist with the English Roses. She's this year's co-captain with the Adelaide Thunderbirds. It's Chelsea Pittman. Chelsea, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. We're really excited to have a chat to you. And it, it's certainly uh, been an interesting year for you. And I feel like we need to start with um, the, the announcement that we heard from the Thunderbirds uh, just last week that uh, they would not be renewing your contract uh, with with the team. Um, it's kind of came as a little bit of a surprise for me, I've got to say. Um, how did you take that news? What was the process like for you? Been open and honest with um, what I put out there, and that I guess I was a little bit shocked and um, disappointed because, um, like Adelaide Thunderbirds, they're my home now, and I wanted to see out my career here, and I wasn't wanting to hang up the dress as such. So, um, yeah, like I guess it's a little bit of heartbreak, but I understand that this also is sport, and and it's what makes you cherish it, I guess, a bit, because you don't have control over your career, even though you'd hope to think um, the older you get, you might get that, but that's just not the case. And, again, that's the beauty of it, I guess, but you've got to look at the brighter side or you just get too down about it. Chelsea... Our podcast is always about giving people an insight into what life is like as a player. Mm-hmm. And so can you take us through, it might seem like a simple thing for you, but can you take us through exactly how that conversation happened? Who has that conversation with you that there's no contract? Um, and I think you chose to put it out on your socials first, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. I think just um, what a transparency on my side that, like, I wasn't walking away from the club. Um, and, I, I like, I hold this club so close to my heart and so there's no ill feelings towards them about it because, again, I understand that this is the cutthroat nature of what it is. But I guess the first um, meeting we had was in the hub um, with our high-performance manager and every single girl had an individual meeting on... Um, where they sat with where you sat with the team 2021 um, moving forward. And that first conversation was a great one for me. Um, They said that, yeah, that I was in the mix and that was um, what they were looking for, for me to continue playing. And so I walked away from it all like, great, yes, this is amazing. And I chose not to put feelers out to other teams because I thought that I was part of the future plans. And then I guess the the second meeting, we got back to... um, Adelaide and we had it with um, Tanya and our high performance Pete again and then it didn't go that way and it was a difficult conversation to obviously hear and also um, I respect them for telling it to my face and um, having that conversation when they had made up their mind. Um, So yeah, I guess like a hard one to sit in. I was like, oh, okay, don't want to cry in front of you guys. So yeah, let me, I'll get some questions and I'll come back to you guys. So Difficult one to hear, but also, again, like, I just was a bit, I guess, not, I wasn't blindsided. Well, I felt a bit blindsided because the meeting a couple of weeks prior was not one I was expecting walking into the next one. Yeah, and I guess one of the um, the challenges with the, the, the whole situation is that there is contracting and discussions happening through the end of that season. Um, I don't know whether everyone listening is, is aware of that, um, but it, 
I'm interested in, can you give us some insight as to uh, how that affects some of the dynamics within the team, particularly given this year you are in a hub situation that you don't have that, that support around you? Yeah, I think like um, Suncorp, we're trying to transition into being properly professional. So if you look at any of the, I guess, the football leagues and the men's leagues, that, that contracting is open a lot of the time and your manager deals with that. But we're still, I think, in that odd space of netballers, some having managers, some not, but we're opening up the contract window a lot sooner. Because I remember back in the day, contract talk wasn't until 24 hours after the grand final um, and you were eligible or able to retain your core team and re-sign, but you weren't able to speak to anyone outside of your group until then. So that's now changed. So you can talk to other clubs, but you're not allowed to sign a contract after the grand, grand final, but you can sign what is almost called a letter of intent. Um, and it is an odd time, like, especially in the hub life or anything, but it's just the way it is. Like, we're still going to um, head towards being completely professional. These conversations need to be had, and it is a, it, it's a shitty time, and I don't know if there's a good good way to do it, but I think being upfront and honest is the best way forward because as athletes, you've got to have learn to have hard conversations and discussions. If you can hear that pig in the background, that's my dog playing with a toy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think I've just taken off there. Um, so Don't think, worry, I've like just sent my daughter way. away too because she was in my year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. But yeah, so there's no easy way to have it, but it is also hard because you're not at home. You can't get away from, um, I guess, not your teammates because you, you, you want to fake it to make it for your teammates and that's what you do a team sport. You be selfless and you don't show them um, that side of it and you don't, if there's negativity, you don't bring it into the group. Um, so it came with its challenges with that because I understand that some girls might have had a different conversation in the hub as well. But I think credit to this team, what we did there is we actually were such a positive bunch when we were in that environment. Um, but it was lovely to be able to obviously come home and then they had the other discussions with myself. <laughs> so also, Chelsea, another thing that I think is interesting for people who are not in the inner sanctum, do you have a manager? How much do they or do they play a role in this time at the moment? And are they out there looking at other clubs for you to play for? Um, I think I'm, I myself, I'm happy to have the initial conversation because I think that um, I'm, a, I guess, a big girl and I don't mind. Yeah, and I think it's important that players learn that too. Yeah, and I think it teaches you a life skill and it's, it's hard, I guess, not sell, like if you're almost selling yourself, promoting yourself for that, when I step into the real world, I'm going to have to do that for job interviews and everything. So I'm happy to have those initial conversations, but I do also have a manager that I can bounce ideas off and he can sort of, I guess, have open ears in a different direction because I'm a player, so I'm very, like, very insular with who I know and what I know when he has a broader um, view on it. So I guess it's a combination but for me I yeah I'd make initial contact and we go from there and have you been having any conversations can you give us a bit of an insight <laughs> well I, I made it clear that I definitely wanted to keep um playing um so it, the difficult thing is the timing of it if I'd um, known a couple of weeks prior definitively known um I think I'd be in maybe a better position. So at the moment, it's just a few conversations, and um, like it's, my life's different now. Like I have I have a family here in Adelaide. I have my stepdaughter Mia and my husband and my dog Betty, and um, 
the CPA agreement is only for one more year for SSN. So past 2021, we actually don't know what netball looks like here in Australia. So to move and uproot myself for one year and to get away from my support system is like, has, it's like it's a really big thing. So for me, I'm just digesting um, everything and just like the year that has been with netball has been like a roller coaster itself. So I'm just really weighing up because I don't, I don't want to give up at all and I've had those conversations with England. Um, but I'm not the breadwinner here, so my husband can't follow. So, again, that's different, I guess, like the beauty of um, other people or, like, other codes that they might be the sole breadwinner so you can just sort of uproot your family and chase it that way. So lots of conversations I need to be having um, and I am getting through them, but I'm also just taking the time to just sort of be a bit of a, a blob. <laughs> Because it's been such a full-on two months. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's such. It has been such a full-on year for everyone in many different ways, but particularly um, for the crew that went up into that hub into Queensland. Um, I know you obviously popped out of it for a little while, but um, what, I'm interested in what you learnt about yourself, maybe about the way um, groups operate with each other when you're in that environment. Is there something that you take away from it that you go, you know what, that's something that I can do better in my life or that I that I really had a challenge with? Yeah, I think a credit goes to like the Victorian girls and also the Sydney girls and the Western Australian girls that actually had to like move a lot sooner than us and have been there so much longer. So like we are so blessed with the opportunity of hub life we got because it was only minor compared to them. But for me, I think my biggest learning, and I sort of learnt this when I in a Com Games, the World Cup environment, that you need to, for you to switch off, you need to be a little bit selfish and do something for you because usually you'll um, be ruined with someone and they'll want to, like, do you want to go for a walk or do you want to cook this or do you want to do this? And sometimes you can just blend and mould to that person to make them happy. But then you realise, I guess it's a bit like a relationship, you realise that, oh, I don't actually <laughs> want to do that. And because so the team dynamic, you never want to upset people because some people might actually take offence to you saying no to that when really it's just like, I just need some mm. me time. Um, yeah. I think, like, that was the biggest thing. And I also said to the younger ones, I'm like, we're never going to be, well, we hopefully, never be in this situation again in this mm. hub environment to so try to enjoy Enjoy it. Take pictures of weird things because I'm telling you now, when you flick through it, you're like, oh, that was this place and it will bring back a memory, whether positive or negative. It's just the journey because you will forget the little things that meant what 2020 was to you. Um, but, yeah, so learning to yeah, just be a little bit self, self selfish, but, um, yeah, not stepping on your teammates' toes too much. <laughs> one of the things and one of the... I hope you've got a picture of it. That was when all your teams surrounded you at the end of your last game. We see that happen a little bit, but there was just so much meaning behind it when your team stood behind you. You obviously have had such an impact on that group. And we know that as a young team, you know, you've achieved some great things this year. But what did that mean to you to have all the girls standing behind you? Oh, I think, like, it meant so much to me just to know that they're, like, were truly supportive of me to, um, I guess, show the love. Um, it's really hard, like, it's hard to describe how I felt then because I was nervous before the game that I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to cry, I'm going to be so emotional, and even thinking about it now that it's already been a week almost that it's gone, but for them to just 
completely get behind me and just, I guess, be there for me if I needed them because they knew that I was a bit of a nervous wreck doing that interview. <laughs> so um, it does mean a lot. And they're, they're truly such a great bunch of girls. Um, and, like, I can't wait to see the direction that some of these young ones go because I... And, I'm so thankful, so, so, so thankful that I've had the opportunity to have a year with some of them. Um, and, yeah, and, and for them, it's not to come across as, a, I guess, a false sense of, we actually like your Pittman, so that's like it. Oh, that's always a nice thing to have at the end there. And you can you could definitely see that in that moment, but you could see across the season, I mean, it was a little bit up and down with the results on the court, obviously, but you, you took down... Fever, you took down the Vixens, you got really close to both the Lightning and the Swiss, so the top four teams um, in this competition. There, there must have been a real sense of maybe being on the verge of something a bit special if just a couple of those results had gone your way this year. Is that how it felt across the season? Yeah, no, definitely. I think we've spoken um, in our group that we felt like the turning point, like what really was a deflating loss was the Firebirds game. Um, yeah. we had many opportunities in that last minute to be able to um, get the win and for us not to. But I think that then comes down to experience. That comes down to continuity of, like, knowing your team and that you've had that you have that invisible thread. You guys know when you've played with someone for years and years and when you're under pressure, you go back to what's natural to you. But because you've been together for so long, it just clicks and you know what this yeah. person's going to do under pressure. I don't need to think about it. I don't need to question it. She will keep driving onto the ball or something like that. So that's what being together for longer will bring for them. So that's what's exciting. So I think that's just learning, learning to win. It's obviously, you guys know the Thunderbirds the past couple of years, we haven't had that consistency. And that's really hard to build, but that comes from the training. Um, for the girls moving forward, the Thunderbirds moving forward, they'll be on the other side of that next year because they will be know that each other that little bit more. Um, yeah, so if you look at the Vixens girls, look how amazing they're going and they've been together for so long. So I, I guarantee you some of those girls could play with each other with their eyes closed and they'll be fine. <laughs> well, I think you have also had such a big impact on helping them all learn that too and learn to keep pushing in those moments where they're under the most pressure. Can you talk to us about some of the standout young players in that team because I think there's been so much made of them and I'm so glad the rolling sub rule is because we've been able to see more players out there on the court. Yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective on some of the young guns in the Thunderbirds. Oh, I, well, obviously I'm going to go to the gold hat, Georgie Horges, who Cat Cox <laughs> has a massive crush on. Um, she is just, and I've said it before, she has such a mature head on her shoulders for when it comes to a netball brain. The way she reads read the game and her vision is like beyond her years like she just finished high school last year like she's so young and but just her she's just one of those kids that you want to see succeed because she's so humble and beautiful and really wants to be better um and just like she is so easy to be like mate you just need to do this they're reading this type of path now so like giving direction out there, and she instantly does it. So, so for someone of that young to be able to do that is really impressive. And for me, like being um, on the line with her calling centre passes, sometimes I remember I'd call something, but then the defence would set up something different, and I'd just quickly change it. And 
didn't even bat an eyelid or apologise if things went wrong. And that, to me, is like the makings of a superstar. Here it is, one, and, like, I can't wait to see how amazing her future is going to be. And then, obviously, Maisie Nankerville, our other young gun who's, like, mid-court specialist pretty much, she obviously took her chance last year and was able to um, get herself a contract this year. And she's just... She's the fittest in the group. She works really hard. She does all the one percenters that make her elite. And so it's really exciting to see what she's going to create. And she's just... I find that if you hit my body, you feel it. Maisie hit her body and you are winded. She is such, <laughs> she's actually brilliant. And she brings that intensity to training and that's exactly what you need. Um, so we, I love training against her because she is absolutely a mongrel out there. And that's what you need. They're the type of people that you need to build teams around and get behind because that's what will take you to the next step is someone that turns up 100% all the time. Um, and that's what SSN turn into, the physical side of it. So you need people that are um, going to be doing that all the time. That's exactly her. Yeah, that's good. And that's great to get those little insights into those players too because we see them out on court and see what they're doing and it's nice to kind of get those other bits and pieces and A, they're coachable and B, obviously they go hard in training as well as in the game and for our young uh, netballers or anyone out there who's listening, those are the, the sort of key things that can really have an impact on not only you and what you do as an individual, but also the people around you. Um, Chelsea, I also wanted to ask you, um, jump into the international side of things, because obviously you've um, played at that elite level at the international level for many, many years, and now with the English Roses. Um, I wanted to take you back to that moment at the Com Games in uh 2018 on the Gold Coast um, and, you know, what, what that experience was like. But also I want to get your thoughts on, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the um, the international players, the imports coming into SSN and the the impact that that has on other countries. Do you see that? Is, is that something that's really happening, that so SSN are helping uh, other countries win uh, Commonwealth Games and World Championship gold? <laughs> I think um, some people are going to have that perception, but in England, that's when the full-time program was in its second year with Tracy Neville. So the girls prior to that went from having like a camp system like the Diamonds and the Silver Ferns do to having a full-time program, which they were in camp four days a week in the whole off-season. So I think that is what allowed England, the English Roses us to take that next step because there wasn't, um, I guess, a back step with the training, the, the intensity, the skill work and getting to know each other. So we weren't coming together for just two weeks. The girls that were over um, playing in England and training in England, they were together for a good six months and then we slotted into that. So I think SSM plays a role in obviously teaching, I guess, some girls from different countries on what it is to be an elite netballer and what it takes to be the best. But I think we already had that established over in England with the full-time program, and that's still continued now with Jess taking over the, the reins there. So I think that definitely plays dividends with success. And I think SSN, like we always say, like it is the best league in the world, and I absolutely believe that. And if you take away um, being able to have the best players in the world coming here to play, then you won't be able to have this amazing brand of what this netball is here. So... Um, 
and you know what? What's wrong with competition? You want the it's a, you don't want whitewash international games. And I don't. And look at New Zealand; they've they're world champions, and there wasn't many over here playing because they weren't allowed to be selected. I totally agree with you. I love that it's super competitive and I love that we have all the imports out there and I know a lot of people don't agree, but I think it's really important to have Super Netball as the best competition in the world. What do you make of the rule changes this year? Um, I love rolling subs. I think that's amazing getting rid of the bonus point. I think that that allowed everyone to take the court. That allowed um, exposure to the younger ones to get a taste of it. And I think especially we forget that the A&L season didn't happen. So that stepping stone to SSN, hopefully it's there next year, was taken away for the younger girls. So for it to be rolling subs and also the extended squad size made a big difference as well. The two-point shot, look, you know what, if I think... (laughs) Where do I start here? <laughs> I think it needs to be a proper long shot. Like, I, I'm i not a shooter anymore, no way. But that's I'm a long shot, I don't think. Um, and I think it needs to be, like, the fast five size is going to keep it. And, un, I, like, as we've discussed, obviously, do, does it go to the whole 60 minutes or the five minutes? And the problem is I don't actually know because you need to see it. You need to feel it. Um and again, maybe it can be trialled in the A&L next year to see if there is changes, but I did, the sizing needs to change. But it's been, you know what, we we beat fever with it, so I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it has did, its advantages. <laughs> um, before we let you go, Chels, you've played all the teams this year. I want to know who you think's going to win it. Oh, I think fever. I think... Um, even, they just, with Janelle at the back, they have a scoring capacity to really punish you and punish you quickly. Um, and I think when they got um, told that they weren't allowed to do um, go back to Western Australia for um, the three last games, it really put a, f- a firecracker in their group to be like, all right, fine then, we'll show you. So I think um, I think it's going to be a Vixen's Fever final and... Yeah, it's going to go down to the wire. It'll be fever. <laughs> my prediction. <laughs> you guys are obviously Vixens uh, hoping for Vixens to be there. I know it. Oh, well, I mean, are. I am their assistant coach, so I, you know, I probably need to be hoping that they get there. I, know. <laughs> I am doing it. I'm doing it from a distance, Chelsea, this year. But, uh, yeah, but, look, if it is that, you've taken both of the grand finalists down this season, so you can take a lot of pride out of that. Well done. And... Congratulations on on what you've been able to do with the Adelaide Thunderbirds, as we spoke about. You can absolutely see um, the respect that you have from that entire group there. It has been really great to chat to you and get some insights into that experience for you. And we hope that we'll definitely see you out there next year running around for another team and uh, hopefully for the English Roses for a couple of years to come. Thanks for joining us, Chelsea. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, B, what a great chat that was with Chelsea Pittman. As you mentioned, one of the things we do like to do on this podcast is just get a little bit more of the detail around what happens um, around those different decisions and conversations. And I think Chelsea did a great job of, of letting us in and giving us some insight. I agree. I just really love hearing her talk. I think she's just really measured. And I love that she says that she doesn't hold any hard feelings against the Thunderbirds. She's Mm. a really mature approach. But also, I love that she put it out herself too, because 
that is part of, I guess, players letting the world know that they're, they're available. Um, so I enjoyed that she really put it out there and took control of the situation. So I fingers crossed we see her playing in Super Netball next year. Yeah, definitely. And she spoke about those life skills around having those challenging conversations, which we do have to do in many other areas of our life. So good on her for the way she's approached that. And B, good on the four teams that have made it through to the finals, finally, of this SSN season. I know we've mentioned it, but there was a time when we thought we wouldn't even get the season started. But we're here at finals. Sherelle, we're finally, like in the finals, right, we're, we're seeing for the first time there's no real home court advantage other than to Sunshine Coast Lightning. So if you win this major semi and you get to go straight into the grand final, usually that's a big celebration where you get to have it at home and all your family and friends are getting super excited about preparing for a grand final. What is the advantage of, I mean, yes, you go straight to the grand final and you miss the prelim, but is there another advantage for a team, say if the Vixens win, do they get a choice of where games are played? Like, obviously, they're not in Melbourne, but what happens? Yeah, I think there's a choice um, at some level. I, I'm actually not 100% sure about that because I'm pretty sure that this game is being played at Sunshine Coast between um, Lightning and Vixen. So um, they didn't have a choice on that one, uh, even though they finished top of the ladder. So I'm not 100% sure, but you're right. It's, it's, it's a very different thing. And a very different advantage to those ladder positionings, really. It's it's not quite the same as what you would have in a normal season. Um, two weeks when the, these teams are being used to playing most of these season, uh, most of this season, with two games a week. Suddenly, having two weeks off is probably a bit of an adjustment to get used to too. So, you know, all these things I think are going to come into play in terms of how it's all managed. Um, of course, you want to secure your spot in that grand final as soon as possible and then you deal with whatever happens along the way. Well, I think the advantage is I'm seeing a lot of the girls who are no longer in finals still hanging around here in Queensland mm. on the socials. So I reckon the team that goes straight into grand final is going to have plenty of players they can, might rope in for a practice match. Uh, yeah, oh, good point. Yeah, do you think they'll be Imagine that, the dream I'm not so team. Sure. <laughs> They may have just moved on to some other things that they're more interested in doing up in Queensland, but I don't blame them for staying up there because uh, we still don't have quite a lot of freedom here in Melbourne, but we're getting closer, fingers crossed. Uh, Bea, it's been great to chat as always. Next week, we'll know one of the grand finalists, so I look forward to chatting through all that with you then. Thanks, Sherelle.